Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, if you turn in your Bibles with me today to the book of Acts, in chapter 5, the book of Acts, chapter 5. We welcome those listening by way of the internet, or if you've just downloaded this, we welcome you too. Acts chapter 5. I'm going to be speaking today and next week on just a two-part series that I want to do called Stand. That's the title of this series. And I want to be just looking, particularly today, but looking at the element or the the idea that actually in our lives, and I don't know if you agree with me sometimes, that you can have good days and bad days. Amen? Anyone with me on that? We can have good days with God and bad days. Can we have a bad day with God? Yes, we can have a bad day in our lives. And some of us sometimes, we find that in our lives, we don't know how to cope or react to such situations. And Ephesians 6, Paul says, he talks about, I'm not going to preach on this today, but Paul says in Ephesians 6, he speaks about the armor of God. I've spoken many times on this before where he talks about putting on the armor of God each day because of what? Spiritual attacks. If you know this, that when you receive Jesus, then you're going to attract the enemy. I don't know if you know that. The enemy is going to be on your case, as we say in the UK. He's going to be on your kiss to put you down at every chance he gets. You see, many times in the Bible, those who gave their lives to follow Jesus, the enemy was right there behind them, including Jesus when he went into the desert. The enemy followed him in there. And as soon as the Holy Spirit descended upon him, he finds himself in this battle. And many of us in our lives find it hard, I would say, to stand when the enemy is knocking us down. Some of you may feel today like the enemy has really had a good, good hit at you, and you feel like you're down. Some of you are feeling like the enemy is hitting you, and you're trying to stay up. But I want to tell you that God wants to give you the ability to stand in all situations. Amen? In verse 11 of Ephesians 6, Paul says this, he encourages to stand against the devil's schemes. He also says in verse 13, to stand your ground. Verse 14, to stand firm. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I can't stand up. I feel like things have knocked me down so much that I feel so weak that I can't stand again. Part one of today of Stand series is Standing strong. How can we stand strong? You see, Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, in verse 13, stand your ground. What does he say? He says, when the day of evil comes. I mean, I don't know about you, but you don't want to tell the person who's just given his life to Jesus, by the way, expect a day of evil to come. You've just given your life to Jesus. Here's the the, the welcome book. Here's the book. Read the Gospels. Welcome to this new life. Welcome to the kingdom of God where everything is amazing. We see lots of great things. But by the way, get ready because a day of evil is going to come. 
No one tells anyone that. No one tells anyone that in our lives we're going to get days which are good and days which are bad. Paul says, stand your ground when the day of evil comes. Paul didn't say if it comes, he said when it comes. He didn't say it may come, he said when it comes. In other words, you've got a 100% expectancy that you're going to have some bad days. And I can tell you I've had some bad days. I can tell you that as the pastor of the church, I have bad days. I have bad weeks sometimes. Welcome to the club. But I want to tell you that God in his ability by his spirit is the one who enables you to stand. We sung a song earlier, Cornerstone. Christ alone, the cornerstone. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I will only trust on Jesus' name. You see, I don't trust in my own physical ability. I don't trust in my mental ability that, because I'm very limited. I don't know about you. But I trust in him. I trust in the one who went before me. And I trust in the one who tells me that he can keep me strong. Paul didn't say if it comes. He said when it comes. You're going to get good days and bad days. How do we stand in these moments? The, just the other week on Good Friday, we woke up. We were getting ready to come to the service to to speak. If you were here with us that day, we had an amazing service and I really felt I had a word from the Lord to speak to the church. And uh, we got up, we were racing around the house on Good Friday, just as usual, our house on Sunday morning or any service is always bedlam, trying to get the kids ready and trying to get ready. And it's always difficult. And we were running around, we get out of the house, we get into the car and you do your routine. And every one of us have got our routine on a, on a Sunday morning. And I, I, I seem to spend t- more time getting the kids ready. Emma's looking at me. I just heard a gasp. By the way, I've spent this whole week this week looking after the children, and I deserve an award. I want to tell you, we've had a great time, but I I realize how hard work it is. Well done, all you mums. A big shout out to the mums today. Amazing job that you do. I've been struggling to juggle this week everything and looking after children, but well done to you mums. But we were running around, and we were doing this, and we jump into the car, and I don't know if you've ever had these situations. This is Good Friday, by the way, and everything's supposed to be good on Friday, isn't it? Because if it's called Good Friday, and I sit into the car, and I get the keys for the car, and I turn the key, we're all sat in there, we're strapped in, the bags are in the boot, everything's ready, we're off to church, we've got to get here, and all of a sudden, I turn the ignition, and nothing. Absolutely nothing. You see, I remember the day I picked up our car when we bought our car. And the man was telling me about the car and he was telling me all the good things about it, showing me the brochure and showing me everything about this car. But on Good Friday that day, it didn't sound like it did the first day I bought it. This thing was rattling, trying to start. And immediately the first thing that went through my head is, how much is this going to cost? You know it. Every one of us do. How much is this going to cost. There's nothing else in my mind. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, God, why is it that on Good Friday of all days that I'm having a bad Friday? Why is it that the day that I should be rejoicing, I have a word from the Lord, and I feel like I'm going to go and have an amazing time at church that I can't even get there? Next minute we were phoning the taxi services, trying to get a taxi, paying taxi fares. All that day I just felt like a hit from the enemy. I want to tell you that sometimes, however Good Friday may sound, it's sometimes we have bad days. Max Licardo says this, God never said that your journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. 
In other words, don't expect that the journey is going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. But I want to tell you that God wants you to stand on every single day, even the evil ones. Amen? How do we stay strong? I want to look at Acts chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to go right through to 29. And I want to look at a story here of some guys, the apostles, by the way. They, these, these guys were amazing. If you ever want to read the book of Acts and see some amazing stories, you read the stories in Acts and you, everyone always says, I want to get back to the book of Acts. Do you really want to get back to the days of Ananias and Sapphira where everyone drops dead when they don't put anything in the offering? Is that what you want? I don't see. Imagine that. Can we, can we have the gift of people dropping dead when they don't give to the church? Do you want that? If you want the book of Acts, that's what you get. But here we see some amazing So I love reading Acts. By the way, if you're coming to Brother Young, you're going to hear some stories, modern day stories, just like you're reading the book of Acts. But here we see in Acts 5, Verse 12, we're going to hear about the apostles, of what was happening right in the early church. He says this, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. That's why it's good to meet together and not be on your own. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. There's a sign of growth. It's, not, it's a good thing to grow. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them, all of them were healed. Wow. I want to hang around with these guys. That's the kind of church I want to be in. They're meeting together. They're seeing the supernatural power of God. They're seeing everyone get healed. Even Peter's shadow is healing people. That'd be easy, wouldn't it? No more altar calls. Just get a lamp in here and just walk down and let the shadow touch people. You won't have to worry. Peter's shadow was healing people. Demons were fleeing out of people. If you want to say, well, I'm not sure I want all that supernatural stuff, that's how it started. If you don't want that, then you're, then you're building something very different. You see, we've got to expect these kind of things because when the power of God visits, you're going to expect manifestations that sometimes your flesh doesn't like. Sometimes you ain't going to like it. If you'd have been around them that time, you'd have seen Demons coming out of people, you'd have, you'd have said, I'm not sure I want to be in this church. I might have to move on somewhere else where it's a little bit more seeker friendly. I'm not going to hang around with these guys. That's why it says that some of them didn't, didn't dare join them. But they knew they had authority. Then it changes in verse 17. He says this, Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees That's because they were sad, you see. Sorry, I just had to say that. Were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, verse 18, and put them in the public jail. Verse 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Then verse 20, the angel said to them, go stand in the temple courts, he said. And tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts 
as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found, we found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, The captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders, they said, not to teach in his name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. That's Jesus. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. By the way, that doesn't mean you can do whatever you like. That doesn't mean you can drive at 90 mile an hour down the A14. I'm going to serve God. I've got to get to this meeting quick. That doesn't mean you can do anything, but we must obey God. What does this story tell us? It tells me something, that they were living in an amazing time. They were seeing God move. They were having a good day. They were having an amazing time. Then all of a sudden we find one day changes and they find themselves in prison. Then all of a sudden, the next day, within 24 hours, they're back in the temple again having a good day. You see, our lives go from one good day to bad back to good sometimes. I believe that being a Christian is is a little bit like living a roller coaster. You go up and down and you can't expect everything to be perfect all of the time. The biggest challenge for you is how do you stand in verse 18? Verse 18 changes everything. He says they grab them and put them into a public jail. And in verse 18, we see this major change, this different change. I don't know about you today, but maybe you find yourself that you were having a good day and then all of a sudden you feel like you're back in prison. You feel on Monday morning like Monday is your prison. In fact, when you go home today, actually your house is your prison. Maybe when you come to church and you come to the temple, as it were, you have a great day, but then actually when you go back home, you don't tell anyone this, but actually back home is your prison. And there are things happening in your home that you wouldn't breathe or tell anyone about. There are things happening in your lives, struggles even at work, that you're finding are difficult, but then you come back to the temple. And we go in and out of these days. How do we cope? 1 Peter 4.12 says this. He gives this advice. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange We're happening to you. In other words, it might feel like it's not supposed to happen, but actually God uses these things to test us sometimes. How many of you know that when life's hard, your true colors shine? I've known that this week with the children. I've raised my voice a few times, let's say. I've had to apologize to the children. But I've been tested this week when I'm struggling and trying to deal with things, and the children, the demands, 
And sometimes you know that in your life. Things are really tough. How do you deal with these days? Every one of us in here know those days. In fact, next week you're going to get one. That's not a word of knowledge. That's the truth. You're going to get one. I want to look at three things just today of what I believe that these guys, the apostles, found how they stood their ground strong. Number one is this. They stood because of supernatural experience. It's not all about experience, but listen, these are the elements of how they could stand in prison on verse 18 and then go back again and stand in the same place again and do the same thing. When the day of evil comes, we need to remember God is in control. Amen. And some of us, you see, when they were in verse 18, I can imagine in the prison when it was dark, they were talking amongst themselves saying, do you remember what was happening in the temple yesterday? Can you remember what we saw when that person got healed? Can you remember when that person was delivered? The power of God coming under the name of Jesus. Can you remember? Why did they do this? They would have been saying this because when they remember what God does, they remember that their situation is not big enough to crush them. Sometimes in your life, you've got to tell yourself how big God is. Remind yourself that He is the one above all your circumstances. He is the one above your prison. And some of us, we find it hard to Remember what God has done sometimes. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian, even if you're not, and you've encountered, every one of us have encountered God in some way. God has done something supernatural. He's trying to get through to you. He's trying to do things and speak into your life and to touch you in your life. And some of us have got to remember the things that God has done. In Psalm 77, verse 11, the psalmist writes this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles long ago. Some of us have forgot. Some of us us have forgot what God has done for us. Some of us have forgot in our troubled times how powerful God is. You know when we've been talking about some of the healings and the things we need God to do. I remember several years ago when I just took, took over the church. Many of you would have been here at the time. But we saw within the second week when I came into, into the ministry, we saw a man come into the room, Aruna's dad. And that morning I prayed for him. And he had a, he'd had a stroke the day, the day before or the week before, I believe. A stroke in this church. And he lost his eyesight and all his functionality on the right side of his body. That day God touched him, healed him. And he went back to the hospital and was completely discharged. They never found the scarring of the blood clot on the brain. God powerfully touched him. I remember those days and those are the things that when I went to minister in different places and I was asked to pray for the sick, these are the things that I remembered that installed into me would give me faith to pray for the sick again. It wasn't long after that I found myself at a meeting I was invited to to speak in Burris and Edmonds and I went to this meeting one night, some of the guys here will remember this, And I went in and there was a crowd of people. They said, we've been praying all week. We've been praying that God is going to move tonight. I thought, oh my word. God, please move. Because I've had some bad days this week. We went in that night and I spoke a word and just shared. And I shared a little word. And I said, we're going to pray for people. God broke out in that place. God began to touch people. A lady walked up to me. She says, I had a car accident 25 years ago. She says, I broke my femur. 
She says, and my, my leg's damaged. She said, I've been in pain since. She goes, I, I have clicking in my knee, problems down the side of the body. It causes pain up all of my back, into my neck. I'm on the worship team, she said. She goes, I'm in agony. 25 years. She sits down. We pray for her. God powerfully touches her. She gets healed. It's the stories of old, the things that I remembered. I had to remind myself that God can do this. And in your lives, when you're in prison moments, you've got to remember what God can do. You've got to remember that he's the one who can set you free. He's the one who can help you. You see, in Solomon's colonnade, that's the place where they met, in the temple. If you read up about Solomon's colonnade, you'll find that they kept meeting there. In fact, you'll find that after they met there every day, they would go into the temple grounds. And in Acts chapter 3, many of you know the story of the lame beggar that he sat at Gate Beautiful. And Peter and John are on their way to the temple that day. They see the lame beggar sat there. And they see that they know that he can't stand. And they say, silver and gold we don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. The man stands, they help him to his feet. He says, strength came into his ankles. He stood and he walked. And then he says, he walked, jumped and praised God into the temple. Later it says this, that they found that the people in Solomon's colonnade ran around him and were amazed and in wonder at what God had done. This is the same place, by the way, later in Acts chapter 5, that they get drawn from and put into prison. Let me tell you that I believe that they were remembering the temple days. They were remembering the days when the lame beggar stood and was strong again. When they'd seen God move. Maybe you need to remind yourself today of what God can do. I really believe today that God wants to touch some people here today. I believe God wants to touch people's lives here today again. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe you need God to give you a fresh encounter today. I want to tell you at the end, we're going to pray. God is going to move in this place. God is going to touch people's lives today. And I want you to have expectancy again for God to move. We rely and trust on the supernatural experience, the God encounters that we've seen, we've experienced. He may have spoken to you. It may have been a prophetic word where you've heard God's voice. You've seen God, an encounter from God. And God is saying to you today, look, even in your day of trouble, remember that I am the one speaking to you. Some of us have forgot what God can do. You see, when they go into the prison, it says this in Acts chapter 5, 19. I like this. It says, during the night... In other words, they get in the prison. It's not immediately that the angel rocks up, that they say a prayer, or anything happens. The angel just comes immediately and says, come on, let these guys out. He says, during the night. It's interesting that if you read later on in Acts chapter 16 and verse 25 to 26, you'll read the story of Paul and Silas in jail. And it says it's not until midnight that they get released from jail. And what does it say they're doing when At this moment, he says that they were praying and singing hymns to God. Some of us, in our days of evil, in our times, our night times, my mum used to say to me when I was growing up, everything always seems worse at night. I would would be crying in, I was only young, but I'd be crying in the room. My mum would come up, she said, don't worry, everything's always worse at night. Some of us are in nighttime parts of our lives. During the night, 
when things are dark, when things are difficult to deal with. But I want to tell you, it's what you do in those moments which will determine what God is going to do in your life next. You see, what happens in the dark times, in our dark experiences, is how do we respond? Do we pray to God? Do we worship him still? Some of us switch off and say, I'm going to just wait for God to sort this one out. And I want to encourage you today that in the dark times, we need to pray to God. In this place of restriction, this place where it's dark, you need to start praying again. You need to get on your knees and worship him again. Because that's the way you're going to get free from these seasons of darkness. I put here that when you can't see your breakthrough, pray yourself through. When you can't see your breakthrough, pray yourself through. Some of us have forgot how to pray. And what God does is he takes us in these situations to see what we're going to do. How are you going to respond? You see, when the darkness comes, that's when the trials come and that's when it really tests us. It really proves that are we really communicating with God? Some of us come, we say, I'm going to go to church, but I'm going to wait till the prophet tells me what to do next. I'm not going to worship. I need God to speak to me. It's interesting. I get lots of phone calls about when Bill Jane's coming on the 4th of June. Will I get personal prophecies? People are interested in coming to the prophets. They're interested in finding out, will I get personal prophecies? But I want to tell you, it's not about the prophet. Do you talk to Jesus? Do you talk to Jesus in those moments, those dark seasons? Or are you waiting for the prophet? I love the gift of prophecy. But if we're going to rely on the prophets, then we've got a big problem. God wants to get us in seasons like this so that we begin to communicate with him. If you're in a trial and a problem right now and a difficult season in your life, if things are not going well for you at work, if things are not going well for you in your family, I want to encourage you, don't fight the battle. Get on your knees and pray. Oh, no, I don't want to pray. That's, I don't want to do that. I, I want to fight my battles. You've got to pray. Some of us are in our midnight moments, our times of distress. But I want to tell you, God wants to break through. In Jonah 2, verse 2, we hear the story of Jonah escaping from God, his call. When he finds himself in a fish that, by the way, it'll be a little bit dark inside a fish. I always wonder how he survived. And he's inside this fish, and it says this in verse 2 of Jonah 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Some of us today feel like we're in the realm of the dead. The day of evil's come and knocked you down so much that you can't stand again. I want to tell you, you've got to cry out to God. You've got to cry out to God. You've got to remember the deeds of old. You've got to remember the miracles. Remember that God has moved before. We sing a song. You can do it again. I've seen you move the mountains. God, you can do it again. Listen, if he's moved mountains for you in the past, he can do it again. Oh, but you don't understand this situation. You don't understand this problem that I'm in. You don't understand how big this mountain is. Let me tell you, he can shift the mountains mountains melt like wax before him. That's what the Bible says. Mountains will melt like wax before him. 
That's why Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to be removed, and it will. Some of you today need to start speaking to the mountains. Some of you in your jail seasons need to start speaking to the mountains. Do you know what? I really believe that these guys knew that they'd seen so many miracles. I reckon that they were laughing in the jail. I reckon that when they were in the jail, they were saying this one. Oh, I love this. I can't wait for this testimony. You watch what's going to happen next. You see, if you've seen a lame beggar walk and jump, leap and praise God in the temple courts and they put you into this prison, you're going to remember what happened. You're going to remember that when you see miracles, when you've walked and hung around with Jesus and you've seen the dead raised, right in that moment, you're going to stand there and laugh. You're going to say, I know God is going to be our restorer and our rescuer. And I believe God just left it a pause in a moment. He says, during the night, then he comes. Then he comes. Listen, if you're in that moment where you've just been, the the prison door's been shut on you. Maybe when you get home today, you find yourself in that prison. Listen, during the night, the angel of the Lord came. In your during the night season, get ready because God is going to come. But you must call out to him. You must cry out to him. The second thing we need is this, is supernatural confidence supernatural confidence. That's what they had. They had the ability to have confidence that was above and beyond them. You see, if you want to stand again and stand strong in God on the bad days, you're going to need some confidence. And you can't just whip confidence up. You might find books, self-help books that say, here's five steps to get confidence back. But you can't just make confidence God will give you confidence. He gave the apostles boldness. It was a gift. Some of you today need the gift of boldness to come again. Because where the enemies come and attack you and knock you down, you've lost your confidence and your boldness. You need confidence again in God. God gives supernatural experience to develop a supernatural confidence. When you know who your God is, then you will act differently. They knew who their God was. You see, the next thing is this, and I find this really interesting, that when you see the angel of the Lord rocks up at the, at the dawn and lets them out and says, come on, it's time to go. You need to go. He then says this, the angel. He says, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people about this new life. Now, I've got a problem with this because all of a sudden I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Weren't they doing this before? Weren't they already at the temple court standing and telling people about God, praying for the sick, seeing people healed? Now the first thing the angel says is, come on, go and go back to what you did before. I don't know about you, but if I'd ended up in prison, I'm not sure I want to go back to the same place to end up back in prison again. I'm not sure I'd want to go back, but there's something about the fact that God wants to take you into seasons. Listen to me very clearly. He takes you in the bad days to then resume you back again. But this time you're stronger. This time you can do it a lot better. Why? Because it's not relying on your confidence, but it's relying on what God is doing inside of you. 
You see, God, when he releases you, he always reinforces you. Did you know that? When he restores and reinstates Peter, he gives him a different strength. There's a different strength in Peter that when he denies Jesus, that at the day of Pentecost, when he preaches and sees 3,000 get saved, there is a different strength. There is a reinforcing going on in his life. And by the way, Jesus wants to do it for you. He says, today I want to reinforce you. In your troubled seasons, I want to strengthen you. I want to give you that ability to stand. The angel of the Lord says, go stand. Go stand in the temple courts. Not go and sit and hide and just hide from these people in case they find you again. No, I want you to go and stand in prominence again. But when you do, you're going to stand in confidence. Listen, this is what happens next. I don't know what you would do if God asked you to do this again. But this is their reaction. In verse 21, it says, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts. As they'd been told to and began to teach the people. In other words, they didn't give it a a time or a moment and say, we're going to leave this one with God. We're going to just pray and see what God wants us to do first. We're going to just check out this word of prophecy here. We're going to check out whether we really did see an angel telling us to go back to the temple. He says, no, straight away at daybreak, there's no chance for any doubt. They go back to the place. They respond immediately with confidence. You know, I want to just say this, that I believe sometimes, sadly, some people, when you have experiences and you go into your prison times, your bad days, you go from supernatural highs to, to lows in your life. Things are that dark. That even when you've experienced God and even when he gives you the ability to walk out again, you've come to church, you've been to the altar call. God's spoken to you. He's given you the opportunity and saying, look, there is a call upon your life. Go stand and do this. This is the instruction. Some of us, this is what we do. We say, I don't know if I can. I'm going to go back into my prison. Some of us don't want to respond to the the action that is upon us. You see, there is a call to action every time God releases you. God wants you, every one of you, to operate and work for him. But some of us say, actually, I'm going to stay in my prison. In fact, I'm going to stay with this sin that I've been doing because it's comfortable there. I'm going to stay doing this thing that I've been doing because it's comfortable. I'm going to stay in my prison. God wants to take you from there and release you into your next season. But no, I want to stay here. You see, I want to tell you that Satan, in these dark times, is the one who is working on your heart to destroy your confidence. Do you want to know something? I want to just let you into a little secret because many believe this, that Satan can rob your calling of God on your life. Satan cannot steal your calling. Satan cannot steal what God has ordained for you in your life. He tells you that he can. He tells you that you've lost all ability to work for God anymore or to do anything good for God anymore. But do you know what Satan does? He doesn't steal your calling. He attacks your confidence. You see, when your confidence is attacked, you become fearful. Those who used to operate in prophecy, 
who say, at one time I used to do this, I used to see God moving and speaking through me. But now the call's gone, this gift is gone. No, it's not gone. Because the gifts and callings are irrevocable. The gifts and callings come without repentance, it says. And I want to tell you today that if you've been told a lie from the enemy that says that you used to do things for God and now in these dark seasons you've believed the lie that tells you you can't do anything anymore, then you've listened to the wrong voice. Because the voice of God tells you today, look, you need to get your confidence back. In fact, in Hebrews 10 it says, don't throw away your confidence. In Hebrews 10 it says, don't throw away your confidence, meaning you already had it. You've already got the confidence. The problem is you throw away your confidence that you already have. God is saying to you, the more you throw away, I want to tell you, you've got the confidence. Look, start to operate and fan into flame the gifts of the Spirit that are within you. That was Paul's charge to Timothy, to fan into flame these things so that you will operate and do good service for God. What happens is this, your conscience is affected when you sin. When you sin, the more and more you do things you know you're not supposed to be doing, your conscience is seared, and then your confidence is affected, and then your calling is destroyed. But your calling was always there. I want to give you some good news today. You can pick up your calling again. I want to give you some good news today that you can pick up the calling again. I want to tell you today that whatever you feel at the moment in this dark season, and what, by the way, when I say calling, I don't mean uh, an Ephesians 4.11 as I'd say calling. I'm saying every single person, by the way, is called to follow Jesus Christ. Everyone in this room, if you're a believer of Jesus, if you say, well, I'm not in full-time ministry, then I don't know what you're talking about because every single one of you is in full-time ministry. Just because you might not get paid for it doesn't mean you're not in full-time ministry. So many people are interested in money rather than what they can do for Jesus. You need to get it the right way around. Because when you do it for Jesus, he will lead you into positions. He will open the doors for you. Stop trying to find and push for positions. God will give you the positions. If he wants to give you a salary with it, then let him. But listen, every one of you has the ability to work for Jesus Christ. The enemy doesn't want you to do anything. He wants to steal your confidence. The Song of Solomon says that we should watch out for the little foxes that spoil the vine. Come on, there's lots of little foxes in my life trying to spoil my vine, but I ain't going to let them. Do you know what I do? I ignore them. When the foxes come and try to destroy, listen, they're always going to come when the day of evil comes. You've got to start kicking those foxes out of the way. You've got to tell these foxes they've got to leave because you've got a calling on your life that God has something special and unique for you to do. And listen to me, however these foxes try and attack you, they cannot remove the calling of God upon your life. Oh, but you ought to see these foxes when they stare at me. Their eyes, they're so vicious. Listen to me, you've got to start staring into God's eyes. The eyes that burn with fire. You've got to start looking into Jesus and saying, I'm going to trust in you, Jesus. I'm not going to concentrate on the foxes. I'm going to look up again. Don't let God, sorry, don't let Satan destroy your calling. Stand again. Stand again. 
stand. Stand strong in God. Because he's out to attack you at every single stage of your life. I know it all the time. We shouldn't be scared by this. We should stand on the promises of God. See, the thing is this, is that, and I want to really encourage you in this, that there's been times in my life when sin, things I've done and I've felt bad and I've got things wrong. I've not been able to prophesy. I've not been able to do the things that I thought I could do. Maybe you're shocked by that. It's the truth. Why? Because when the enemy comes in and sows seeds of doubt, tells you you can't do this. Remember those things? Remember that thing you said? You shouldn't have said that. How can you use your mouth to prophesy when you said that bad word against someone? The enemy is so good at telling you and knocking your confidence. The calling never left. <laughs> the calling never left. It's there, fan into flame. The gifts. Fan into flame. It's those little sins that are going to rob them from you. It's those little things that sometimes you think are irrelevant, then the enemy amplifies them. It's those little things in your life that you think at the time are so small that no one's really going to bother. No one's really going to see these things. No one really cares. These are the sins that the enemy loves to amplify. I remember somebody once said to me, and listen to me very clearly, there's so many little things that can get you these days. It's not about, there are things that we say, we we put different sins on different scales. We say, oh, adultery and all these things, I'm going to put them at the top. Then there's these little white lies at the bottom. Listen to me, every sin, as far as God's concerned, is the same. It's no different. Someone once came to me and, They said to me, they said, oh, you can get one of these little boxes to watch films online. You can watch as many of the latest films you want online, all the latest blockbusters. In fact, you can watch the ones that have not even reached this country. I thought, wow, that's amazing. How much? Oh, it's free. It's free. Okay. Is there a catch? No, there's no catch. I think it's illegal. I'm not sure. I kind of thought, well, surely it's got to be because when I go onto iTunes, on my iTunes account for my Apple TV, I see that the same one film is £14. But you can get all the ones free that are free from other countries that have not even been released here yet for free. Listen to me. These are the small foxes that will chew at your vine. These are the tiny things. This is, uh, this is so important. These are the tiny things that are going to chew at your vine. You think they're small. Listen to me. These are the things that will rot your confidence. Because if you want to stand in front of the multitudes, you want to declare the great things of God, these are the things that the enemy is going to come and just multiply. And he's going to tell you, these are the things that you do wrong, son. Get rid of them. I said, no, thanks. I'll buy the one film at 14 pounds even though I can't afford to buy all the films that you've got. Do you know why? Because I know that God, it's better to serve him in my heart. It's better to do the right thing than choose all these options. These little foxes are going to chew at your vine and steal your confidence. Hebrews 9.14 says this, How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences 
from acts that lead to death. And what does it say then? So that we may serve the living God. It's interesting that our conscience has the power to affect our service to God. There's a direct link in your conscience to your service. There's a direct link in how your conscience affects your service. In other words, come with these things. Let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse you. Set yourself free. Why? So that you can serve the living God. Not worship him, serve him. In other words, your service is affected. Your calling. Finally, number three today is this. That I believe that the the apostles had supernatural guidance. They didn't just have an experience. They didn't just have supernatural confidence. They had supernatural guidance from God. And that's the thing that will help you to stand. It says this, the Sanhedrin said in Acts 5.28, We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And they determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. In other words, there is a voice that wants to direct you in life. And you must obey that. Listen, the moment you stand for Jesus, you're going to find that people stand against you. When I gave my life to Jesus back in 2002, I may have told this story before, forgive me if I have, but I went to work on the Monday. I gave my life to Jesus on the Sunday. On the Monday, I went into work, and the first thing I did is book a meeting with my boss. He, he, worried, he, he worried as soon as I booked a meeting, he thought I was going to leave. And I went in the office, I had to tell him, no, I'm not leaving, I'm leaving the kingdom of darkness. Turn to the kingdom of God. I said, yesterday I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I said this, all, everything was flowing out of me, it came out of me that day. It says, the blood of Jesus has washed me, he looked at me. He looked at me and just was in shock. He said, what has happened to you? I said, I've changed. The moment I gave my life to Jesus, I want to tell you something, what happened. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to speak to me on the inside. He began to tell me the things that he wanted me to do to please the Father. See, I thought what was going to happen is that the church will begin to tell me. The church was saying some things, but... I found, I began to realize that the Spirit of God was far more advancing telling me the things I need to change than the church was. In fact, he speaks every day. Did you know that? What a surprise. Some people wait for every Sunday for instruction when the Holy Spirit wants to tell you every single day how to live. And I found myself thinking, why is it I feel I want to do this now? It's because the Bible says that he satisfies your desires with good things. He gives you a desire for the good things. He puts a voice inside of you that the world doesn't recognize. I want to tell you today that if you've given your life to Jesus, even if you're long time in the faith, there's a voice that's been put on the inside of you that is a guidance. It's a guidance system to direct you in life. John 10 verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep, Listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I was driving down to the airport yesterday to Heathrow. And I was, last night I was, went to pick Amra up late at night and I took my son Lewis in the car. 
And he loves, he sits in the front of the car and he loves to put the music on and he turns it so loud. But I used to do that when I was younger, so I can't tell him off. So I have to just sit there and listen to the music and he, he puts different radio stations on and I'm saying I want to listen to, to these songs and he's, and then he just, he's, he's in full control of the audio system. And I was driving down, I'm on the M25 and this music's blasting. I kept saying, turn it down. But all the time I've got my phone, anyone use their phone for your sat-nav? I'm trying to listen to the sat- satellite system. I'm trying to listen to tell me where to go next. And so I'm saying, turn the music down and I couldn't hear a thing. How many of you know that a phone like this, it has the technology to speak to a satellite. It's called Global Positioning Systems or whatever they call it, GPS. Do you know that you in your life, you have been designed by God and you have the little GPS thing put inside of you when you give your life to Jesus. God has put that GPS system inside of you. When you received him, he says, I want to put my spirit on the inside of you. So that when you are directed by me, you're going to hear my voice. The problem is though is this, that some of us, some of us have got the music turned loud in our lives. The music, the sound of the things in life have distracted us from God's voice. The things in our life is so loud that we can't hear his voice of his spirit anymore. And I really believe that God wants to direct some of us again so that we obey God rather than human beings. We obey God rather than doing the things that people want us to do. There's a voice inside of you that's asking you to change. In 2002 when I gave my life to Jesus... I got saved and I came to this church, but I actually got saved in my parents' church. I ended up, if many of you have ever heard my testimony before, I, on Saturday night before the service on the Sunday, I was in Leeds. And I was in Leeds at a wedding. That night I was drinking lots of alcohol. I was so drunk. Saturday night I was so drunk. Because my life was going down the pan. So the only way I could drown out the other voices is just drink. And I went to this wedding and then I drank. And then the next morning we got up in the hotel and we set off down to Cambridge. And as we got in the car to go to Cambridge, something inside of me said, go to church. Something inside of me said, Go to church. Now, I'd not given my life to Jesus, but I know something. My dad had been praying for me. He'd been praying for me for years. And I was directed to church that I never wanted to go to. I walked in that night and I thought my parents were going to be there. They weren't there. I walked in and I was with Emma. She wasn't saved. I'd lived years of not being with God. In fact, I chose to move to Cambridge. And I didn't have one Christian friend in this city. Didn't even want to go to church. So why I was in this church, I do not know. And I walked in at the back and I sat and I listened to the message preached. And at the end, they did an altar call and I didn't respond because I thought, I don't want to. If I go, I've got to change. If I walk forward, I've got to change. I've got to change. The enemy was telling me, don't go. Don't walk. Because 
if you go and change, you're going to lose your girlfriend. You're going to lose everything. And I sat at the back and I didn't go. I didn't respond. And at the end, someone came up to me thankfully and said this. You know, you've got to give your life to Jesus. I'm glad they did that. If anyone you think is a bit forceful in church sometimes, forgive them. Maybe they've had strict orders from God to obey God. I'm glad that they did. Because they came up to me and the moment they said those words, it was like an arrow that fired from their mouth and pierced my heart. Right there in my chair, I broke. I broke with tears flooding. And as I broke, I looked next to me and hoped that my girlfriend was doing the same thing. And I looked and she was broken too. We both that night gave our lives to Jesus. In August 2002, I want to tell you something. We were living together. We were living together. We had a house. We'd established everything. Finances, the lot. We had constructed our lives. We had it all. We had great jobs. We had plans for the future. We got into our little car that night and drove down the A1. And I never breathed a word to Emma to say we've got to change. I knew I had to change. And that night driving down the A1, I'll never forget, God began to speak to me. He said, you're going to have to change. You've got to get rid of this. You've got to stop doing this. I'm telling you this now tonight, today. When I got back that day, I went into the house and immediately I changed the way we were living. That night. I want to tell you, the night before I was in a hotel paralytic. Couldn't stand my prison. God set me free. Now I had the ability to stand, but I had to obey his voice. Some of you in here are hearing God's voice on your GPS system in your heart. Some of you have been Christians a long time, and you've ignored that voice. I want to tell you today that God is speaking to you right now. He's calling you back again. He's calling you back again to him. Some of us need to respond to this voice. Respond to that system that he's put within us. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul said this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. It considers them foolishness. Cannot understand them because they are discerned only by the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you give your life to Jesus... You've got a voice inside of you that seems foolish to the world. See, the world can't understand why I changed the way I lived. The world can't understand why I changed the, my actions. I said it's foolishness. I want to tell you that God's voice, when we obey Him, is the thing that will help you stand again. While ever you disregard His voice, you think you're standing, but you're not. You think you're stronger than you are, but you're not. To be strong in Him, you have to obey Him. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.